the best time to actually go on to hormone therapy is in perimenopause. You get the most benefits there. It isn't, you know, some doctors have different views, but, you know, you can't go on to hormone therapy, for example, like 10 years after you've been in menopause. All the benefits come from going on hormone therapy in the lead up. And, you know, we, we're actually very fortunate that there've been these great advances in hormone therapy because it can really improve our health and our health span as, as women. Welcome to the Endo Babe podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Bree. I'm an ultrasound tech, endometriosis advocate and author, self-love and wellness junkie, and I'm on a mission to help you thrive with endometriosis and improve your quality of life. On the Endo Babe podcast, you'll hear empowering conversations with myself and experts as we dive deep into all things endometriosis, mindset, brain training, holistic healing, functional medicine, spirituality, self-love, and so much more. This is a badass podcast for badass babes, and I want you to leave this podcast feeling inspired and empowered in your own health journey with the confidence and belief that you too can have more good days than bad. Are you with me, babe? See you in the podcast. Hello, my beautiful soul. This episode is brought to you by The Crystal Aesthetic. I created this company in 2022 for you, for me, and for anyone who seeks depth and meaning, believes in the unknown, and knows there's more to life than meets the eye. This company was inspired by magic and everything that I love and believe in, the universe, the journey, cosmic cowgirls, country rock, and wild witchy women. As a woman-owned lifestyle brand, we're dedicated to helping you feel comfortable in your skin and raising awareness about endometriosis and empowering you to love yourself even on the hard days. Just like you, our items are full of magic and created with the intention of bringing comfort and style, whether you're snuggled up on the couch, exploring in nature, or hitting the town. Proceeds from this company are going to be donated to help support this podcast and making it free and donated to support endometriosis research. Let's hear it for small enchanted spoonie businesses, and I hope you find something magical that you love. Welcome, Cheryl. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. Yes, of course. So I usually start by having you tell everybody about who you are and how you got into doing what you're doing now. Yeah. So I wasn't doing health coaching many years ago. I'm actually a chartered accountant and spent my life in banking um, up until December 2020. And that was never really my calling. I always kind of felt that there was something better for me, uh, more aligned to my passion, because I love all things to do with health and well-being. Um, So when I was on maternity leave with my daughter in 2015, I did my personal training qualification. And although I love exercise and fitness, I realized soon that that wasn't really something that I purely wanted to focus on. Um, and I just, when, when I was pregnant with my daughter, one of my best friends was diagnosed with bowel cancer and passed away three months later. So, you know, I had the six week old baby and a very important person in my life who, who suddenly passed away and she was seemingly healthy. 
And I just, there was just a nagging feeling that there was something more that I needed to know in terms of kind of preventative health. It just felt that there was more that we could do to really prevent this disease state. Um, so I think it almost probably came from a bit of a fear-based state, you know, thinking like, oh my gosh, if this could happen to somebody who was seemingly healthy, like, you know, the, the, you know, anything could happen. So I just wanted to take control of things. And I just felt that there was something in the nutrition side of things that, you know, I just wanted to challenge am I actually feeding myself and my, and my child the right way? So I'd committed to when I had my next maternity leave that I would do a nutrition course. And so I spent a bit of time researching that and actually landed on um, the Institute of Integrative Nutrition because that was very holistic. You know, it's not just what you eat. It's, you know, all of the different pillars of health that actually feed into that. So I, I signed up for that um, and like that really opened my eyes. And then through that, I, I got into, um, I followed a doctor, Dr. Stephen Cabral, and studied the Integrative Health Practitioner Certification, which is he brings together Western and Eastern medicine, functional medicine. And Hello and welcome really to another episode of the End of Bay podcast. Um, Today I chatted with Cheryl really Carroll, like who to to has a really beautiful story. She went from an ex-banking professional and turned into an integrative health practitioner so, and health forward, coach. I after loved it and experiencing um, loss of moved into one of her best friends in December and realizing that how important so the connection to your body is and how important and understanding the how our bodies ebb and flow and um, hormones ebb and flow. And then I realized I was attracting women who were for you know, aging and perimenopause and menopause and now she's really passionate about supporting women in perimenopause and and menopause you know and helps them live with radiant energy and feel strong and sexy in both their body and their mind she is a wealth of knowledge it was an awesome conversation it was funny we and we're laughing because a real opportunity I like to kept, kept getting caught up on, on the fact that like perimenopause starts when you're 35 and starts to adjust your lifestyle for our changing physiology so strange the better, to me <laughs> the second half of life but it's is almost there be. but so she gives my, a lot of tips my on my mission and how my to passion, and that's what make I that transition and support your body though. in that transition so for those make it easier and when you thrive technically is in the next phase of your life so it's a lot it's earlier than, than people awesome think. Combo, so like I said, conservatively, if you are connect with her, all so the, the starting show, point of perimenopause is when our sex hormones start to change. And the first one of those um, hormones that starts to change is progesterone. And that can start as early as the age of 35. And then, you know, that starts to decline and we can start to have these very subtle experiences of perimenopause like sleep more irritable heavier bleeding um you know and I think for you know the people with endometriosis they may start to feel that their symptoms and everything get a lot worse um and then the actual definition of menopause is when you don't have a period for 12 months consecutively so you know, the average age of menopause is 51. So it's really from the age of 35 to 51 where things can go really hairy if we're not adjusting our lifestyle appropriately. So it's a bit, you know, it's quite eye-opening. You know, when I work with a lot of women, they're like, 
I don't know, am I in perimenopause? And they're like 43, 44, 45. I'm like, yes, you are, just by definition of, you know, when our hormones start to shift. But it's very likely that they just haven't connected these subtle shifts in their, um, how they're feeling within themselves to the hormonal shifts. Yeah, and what kind of symptoms are those? So I'll, I'll first of all explain the different phases of perimenopause because the symptoms start to change as you go through the different phases. So the first phase, as I mentioned, is when progesterone, which is the beautiful calming hormone, starts to decline. And so those can be, you know, symptoms, like I said, just the irritability, just your normal PMS symptoms, just getting a little bit worse. You know, sleep can start to get a little bit worse in the second half of your cycle, in the lead up to your period. And then what happens is because the progesterone is so low, you start to have your cycles that shorten. So that's kind of, you know, it can be one day, two days, but it's just for you, like what your normal period length is, um, you know, that starts to shorten. And then what then starts to happen is as, as you head more towards that menopause phase is that um, your ovaries are starting to like the whole point of menopause is that your ovaries no longer are no longer the hormone producing gland so they're handing over to the adrenal gland and you know the other peripheral organs like your fat cells etc that produce hormones and so with that kind of shift the brain is is trying to get the ovaries to do the work and the ovaries are like uh -uh, I'm, uh, I'm done here like I don't want to do this anymore and so there's this like shouting going on and sometimes the ovaries produce a lot of estrogen and other times they don't produce much so these wild swings of of estrogen start to happen in kind of the middle chunk of perimenopause and that's when you know, your cycle can then lengthen and then shorten. You may skip a cycle. You can get very heavy bleeding. You can start to feel more inflamed, um, you know, feel more anxious, um, start to put on weight because uh, estrogen is quite an anabolic hormone. So if you've got a lot of that going on, you know, it's just everything can start to kind of grow and we become more insulin resistant. So, you know, if we're eating a lot of carbs, you know, we can start to not be able to utilize those as well. And then the final shift um, is when estrogen starts to kind of flatline as we head towards um, menopause. And, you know, with that can come, you know, any mood related disorders like people that are predisposed to anxiety, depression that can kick in. Um, because the interesting thing is, and probably what we don't realize while our we while we're in our childbearing years is that our hormones do a hell of a lot for us over and above being able to carry a child. It's like a full body experience, you know, from joints, inflammation, vaginal health, gut microbiome. So, you know, how you experience the perimenopausal shift all depends on your lifestyle, your genetics, cultural views on, you know, this, this shift, um, support you have at home. So there are a whole lot of things that contribute to somebody's experience of perimenopause. But what I would say is, is if somebody is just pushing themselves, pushing themselves, pushing themselves, they are going to feel 
not very good if like they're just trying to keep doing what they did in their 20s and 30s you know from a lifestyle perspective and even from a boundaries perspective you know like just doing too much they they will likely struggle burn out quickly I'm sure Mm -hmm. yeah yeah because you know with that point of burnout we're going the ovaries are trying to hand over responsibility to the adrenal glands to produce the sex hormones and if your adrenals are struggling with keeping up with the cortisol and adrenaline and you know really just keeping us you know just firing all the time there's going to be no capacity for them to produce the sex hormones to kind of you know fill in the gap so you know it's really we become less resilient to stress and then the adrenals can't actually um, help to produce some of the sex hormones that we've lost through the ovary production it's crazy to me when I'm I know this that it starts at 35 <laughs> right because that's the age that if you're trying to get pregnant you're considered like a um, geriatric pregnancy. (laughs) (laughs) I know, which is crazy. And so many women are having children, you know, I had my first child at 37. Yeah. So, yeah. And so I was, so you in perimenopause trying to have a baby that's extra stress on the body. Yeah. So it can actually create a perfect storm because you, if you, if you're not dialed in to your own health when you fall pregnant, um, you know, you can end up having your baby and be very, very depleted, which, you know, can then exacerbate um, these perimenopausal symptoms. And I just can't, I can't imagine that when trying to raise a little baby to yeah, just feel yeah. even worse. Yeah. And I think, you know, and postnatal depletion is becoming more and more prevalent because, I think there is this shift towards people having children at a later, you know, at a later stage in life because, you know, they, and they're still keeping their careers and juggling young kids career, you know, and, and, you know, I mentioned before that I was experiencing these own symptoms for myself. Um, And that's because I was working in corporate in a senior position. Um, I had young kids who didn't sleep. I didn't have support at work who really understood what it was like to be, you know, a working mom. And I was doing a full-time job in three days a week. So it was just this compounding experience that caused me to burn out. And, and the reason I wasn't as resilient was because I was uh, 41 or whatever it was when I, when I experienced this. So what, what can people do to help like support their hormones? Like what lifestyle changes can they make? So it's, it's, it's actually doing all the basics really well. Um, you know, it's, if you think about kind of the symptoms that I've experienced and a few more that I'll, I'll mention. Um, so number one, we become less resilient to stress. So we really need to focus on the nutrient density of our food. So, you know, lots of good whole foods, leafy vegetables, you know, vegetables above the ground, diversity, our gut microbiome changes. So that diversity of plant food is just going to feed our gut bugs and keep them happy and keep them thriving. So that's really essential. And the other thing that I didn't mention is that we lose muscle and our bones weaken as well. So having adequate amounts of protein, you know, I just posted something on, on Instagram yesterday 
that, you know, sometimes I work with people and they're like, oh, I'm having an egg for breakfast and, you know, some spinach. But actually one egg isn't enough for you to get enough protein. We need to be aiming for 30 grams of protein at each meal. And I often find that women actually aren't eating enough. And if we aren't eating enough, then consistently we're giving our body these stress signals and then everything starts to slow down and metabolism starts to slow down. And that just adds extra stress to a body that's already not so resilient to stress. So it's really focusing on, you know, prioritizing your own nutrition, getting enough protein and good quality fats and being quite cautious on the carbohydrates. So, you know, really focusing on the nutrient dense carbohydrates like the root vegetables, because they have phytonutrients and fiber, you know, as opposed to things, processed carbs like pasta, you know, as an example, because that's going to just help keep our blood sugar levels stable, which is what we want. So it's, we don't want these wild spikes and dips, which just adds to the whole inflammation picture, makes us grumpy, (laughs) impacts our energy. So, you know, it's really, if you picture a plate of food, it's so simple, you know, so if you want your plate, you've got half of that of above the ground veggies, lots of diversity, lots of color on your plate, um, try different things, you know, keep, keep giving your gut bugs different things to, to use from a fiber and phytonutrient perspective. Um, a quarter of the plate, really good quality protein. You know, I eat meat products cause it's, you know, the amino acid profile of, um, meat, good quality meat better serves our body. So if you are a vegetarian or a vegan, just making sure that you are getting enough, um, getting the right amino acid profile in your diet. And then a quarter of the plate to be good quality carbohydrates and then, you know, adding on good quality fats. So, you know, staying away from toxic oils like canola oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil, doing, you know, the, the avocado, avocado oil, olive oil, etc. So that's, you know, very simply what I coach women on from a nutrition standpoint, movement is it's like the Goldilocks principle of movement. Like you don't want to do, be doing too much and stressing the body too much, not recovering enough because we are more prone to injury. We are more inflamed because of the hormonal shifts. So it's having a really well-structured exercise program, you know, the top of the, of the pyramid should be strength training. Like that's the most important thing to do um, because we need to be able to maintain muscle, build muscle and help with our bone strength. Um, But then doing things like um, mobility work, flexibility work is, you know, needs to be an essential part of that. So I'm often coaching women who love, you know, doing their 10 K runs you know, every day, that's how they, you know, that's, that's their de-stress. That's their, their thing. It's trying to coach them into seeing the benefits of strength training and really cutting down those, you know, those medium intensity workouts, because those kind of medium intensity workouts, you always training in, in the gray, you know, you're never pushing it and you're never recovering. So it's, you know, having an exercise program where you're stressing your body, but then you're doing enough to, to bring it down and and allow it time to recover. Yeah. It seems like also if you're working out too much and then you're chronically under eating, 
Like that's going to be putting so much stress on your body, increasing exactly. inflammation and just making you feel worse, especially yeah. if you're already burnt out. Yeah, exactly. Because you just have this, you know, the cortisol is just skyrocketing and ultimately that's going to cause your body to slow down. And that's why thyroid issues are actually so prevalent in perimenopause because we don't, we've, you know, we've been pushing it, pushing it, pushing it for so long until we can't push it anymore. And then our bodies start to slow down. You know, thyroid is the metabolism, you know, so if somebody's always cold, they, you know, they can't lose weight. They just feel like they're walking through mud. I always recommend that they have their thyroid tested, but doing the detailed thyroid panel that GPs generally don't do, because I can't tell you how many clients I get them to do the detailed panel. And, you know, the, the marker that GPs test is thyroid stimulating hormone, but that doesn't really tell you much. It doesn't show you how your thyroid is actually functioning. And then there's actually so much going on within the actual thyroid function. So yeah. And it's, it's quite sad because a lot of personal trainers and gyms they don't really look at the bigger picture in terms of somebody's health and then, you know, give them guidance to eat 1,200 calories a day. They're on this, you know, hit workouts or F45 type workouts five days a week. Um, it may work for a week or two weeks, but that's like not a long-term game for anybody if they're wanting to thrive and feel like alive and vibrant. Right. Or to like focus on long-term health either. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then just the last pillar, just to, to finish off on lifestyle is I categorize, there's a stress category, which is quite broad. So that covers physical, mental, and emotional stress. So physical stresses, you can think about toxins or, you know, the toxic soup that we live in. So, you know, a very high toxic load adds huge amounts of stress onto the body. So really supporting the detox organs, doing detox practices, etc. Sleep. So really, you know, sleep is something that becomes problematic um, when we are in perimenopause. So really focusing on good sleep hygiene, getting good sleep. Um, and, you know, blood sugar dysregulation is another massive stress on the body. And then there's the, the mental and emotional stress. So this is kind of your perceived stress. So anything that brings you a level of, of you know, um, stress, which is generally where somebody's reality doesn't meet their expectation in one of the areas of life. So it's really about, you know, working on, your mental state on a daily basis or having really consistent daily routines that you can execute that supports kind of um, managing your mental state and it just makes you a lot more resilient. So those are kind of the pillars that I work with women on. So what if you have a client that's like hitting all of those goals, they're eating really well and they're exercising and they're not kind of overdoing it and working on their mental health and their stress and their everything, but they're still just feeling really burnt out. Is that, what would you recommend next? Is it like testing to see? Yeah. Yeah. Out of everything. Yeah. So I think for, for anybody, um, I always encourage them to have their, you know, their annual medical or 
if they're starting to feel that things have shifted for them to go and have another set of blood tests done because functional medicine lab testing isn't covered by health insurance. So doing what you can through your doctor, you know, getting your hormones tested, getting your iron tested, because when we are in perimenopause, we are prone to, to quite heavy bleeding. So we can become iron deficient because we're just losing so much blood every month. So having a look at that, having a look at thyroid function. So just looking at like what else is going on and trying to see if the kind of routine blood tests that the doctors do can, can give you any indication of anything. And I always say to clients to challenge their doctors because I can't tell you how many examples of blood tests I get. I always get them to send me theirs and I look at everything that's going on and I say, well, what, what have the, what did the doctor share with you about these blood tests? And they're like, oh, everything's fine. They're looking quite good. And I'm seeing like testosterone on the floor, thyroid function, you know, in a, in a not very optimal range, low iron. Um, and it's a lot of the times or things that are even flagged as being low or high that haven't even been discussed with them. So, you know, I think that we can often feel quite intimidated with, you know, having these sets of blood tests and like, what do they even mean? Um, and if the doctor says to you, everything's fine, but you see the result and it says low or high or whatever it is to ask, well, what does this mean? This says that it's low and it's been low for the last four years. And, but you're telling me everything's fine. What does this mean? And to keep asking until you have an answer that you can understand. And, you know, cause not everybody can afford a health coach who's going to, you know, look at their, their ranges, um, and if a doctor is not willing to enter into a conversation with you on that, I highly recommend that you find another doctor who's actually partnering with you in your health, not, you know, dismissing you and saying that everything's okay. So there's kind of those uh, traditional medicine tests that you can do just to see what else is going on. And then obviously taking action on those particular things like iron, for example, if you're iron is low, getting on an iron supplement may shift everything for you. And so it's, it's also about not doing too many things at once. So you can actually see what is the thing that is impacting how I'm feeling. Um, you know, and, and if it doesn't resolve, then you keep going and keep going. Because I think when you do too many things at once, A, it's overwhelming. And B, you actually don't know the thing that is improving your health or making you feel worse. For me, if I did try to do everything at once, I don't think I would be able to stick with it because it's yeah. overwhelming or it'd be too many things to do and remember and yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then it's like this um overload of supplements and all of that. But what I would say is that you know, you, you the, the question you asked was about somebody who was doing all the things, like doing all the lifestyle things and everything. Um, I always recommend somebody to do all of those. Obviously, get your bloods done. Like, let's see where you're at as a baseline. And then do all the things, optimize the lifestyle first. Because I think in this day and age, there is a, a real reliance on supplements to fix how you're feeling. And actually, the lifestyle should be the focus and a supplement is a supplement 
um, you know, once you've done all the lifestyle things, then you can be like, okay, so where do I need, where do I have nutritional deficiencies? What do I need to supplement with? Um, And then going from there and something like hormone therapy is the exact same thing. You know, there may be cases where somebody's just feeling so bad because of the their hormones that they need to start hormone therapy first, or it's beneficial for them to start hormone therapy first so that they have the drive and the motivation to make the lifestyle changes. But if somebody is, you know, has the capacity to focus on lifestyle first, I always recommend that. And obviously they need to work with a, a, a doctor to on the hormone therapy side of things. For sure. And I mean, we, we live in a society where there's a pill for every ill and we all want the magic fix. Like what can we take right now? That's going to fix me right now. But everything that you're saying is making those small changes, little tiny changes every day that are going to give you the long-term lifestyle that you like. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and on the hormone therapy conversation, I personally would take bioidentical hormone therapy, working with a doctor that is understanding where I'm at my levels and working with me to optimize what, um, like my, you know, what my dosages are, et cetera. But, you know, but that's a choice for, for everybody to make. Um, there was the women's health initiative that was run many years ago that has put the fear into everybody around hormone therapy, but Luckily, it's really moved on in terms of um, what the hormones are, because now they do look exactly like the hormones that we have in our body, a lot safer. There are a lot of benefits, like anti-aging benefits to um, using hormone therapy, you know, things like Alzheimer's, dementia, um, osteoporosis. You know, I've got all of these things in my family. So for me, the benefits far outweigh, you know, the small risks that are associated with it. But even if you are not using hormone therapy or deciding not to, it's really important to have the lifestyle factors optimized because you need a healthy liver, you need a healthy gut to metabolize your hormones and to reduce any risk of, you know, the female cancers. Because if we have our estrogens recirculating 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 it really puts us in a high risk category for somebody who isn't sure like what you're talking about about hormone therapy can you explain that to people yes of course so um some people refer to it as hormone replacement therapy some people just call it hormone therapy there's different types there are synthetic hormones that are made from chemicals and it's really about giving your body uh, hormones in the place of to supplement where you've lost your own hormones so for example I'm already on progesterone so because of my burnout my progesterone levels were so 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 low and my sleep was really impacted so I'm on bioidentical progesterone which is different to a progestin, you know, the the type of of progesterone that's in the Mirena, for example. So it 100% mimics the progesterone that my body creates. Um, And then, you know, as you go further along on your perimenopause journey, 
when your estrogen starts to go down, up and down and up and down, and then starts to flatline, what you can do is then go on to estrogen therapy. So that's estrogen that 100% mimics um, how that your own estrogen works in your body. And, you know, it can really re- obviously reduce people's symptoms, but then also, you know, from a health and longevity standpoint, there is, you know, more and more research to show how it's actually supporting women to reduce all of these other risks that happen because we we have lost our hormones. So there are different names for hormones. So there's obviously synthetic hormones. There are body identical hormones in some countries. So the, it, this is kind of regulated bioidentical hormones that come in standard dosages. And then there are bioidentical hormones that are made by compounding pharmacies. Your doctor will create a prescription that matches your particular need based on your own hormonal profile, like where you're at in the in the journey. So the best time to actually go onto hormone therapy is in perimenopause. You get the most benefits there. It isn't, you know, some doctors have different views, but you know, you can't go onto hormone therapy, for example, like 10 years after you've been in menopause. All the benefits come from going on hormone therapy in the lead up. And, you know, we, we're actually very fortunate that there've been these great advances in hormone therapy because it can really improve our health and our health span as, as women. And quality of life, I'm sure too. Yeah. 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 It's incredible the advancements that we've made. So for somebody who is on like the middle stage of their perimenopause or their estrogen's going up and down and up and down, I'm sure that that would exacerbate endometriosis symptoms too around that time. Do you have a lot of clients that experience that? Yeah. So I've had one client who has endometriosis and things have gotten really, really, really bad for her. Um, But she was, you know, I think COVID has made things, you know, this was a a client that I was working with in, in COVID and it made things really difficult because people's lifestyle had completely slipped back. You know, there was a lot of reliance on alcohol, on chocolate. So it's, there wasn't much focus on, you know, doing things well because it was about coping there was the extra stress so things got really really bad for her um bleeding got so much heavier you know so much pain um so I you know really worked with her to you know sort out her gut reduce her inflammation um you know really just getting you know all the things that we've spoken about are supportive of people in perimenopause but also anybody who has endometriosis. You know, there's a real alignment in, you know, moving towards an anti-inflammatory lifestyle for both perimenopause and endometriosis. So in terms of the coaching, it's really the same thing. Um, yeah. Obviously, certain there are certain supplements that have been proven to support, you know, people with endometriosis that I would then, you know, focus on for them in particular. But in terms of the coaching, it's really what's going on in the gut. What are you eating? You know, what are you putting on your skin? How how is your liver working? You know, all of the all of really the basics would be the same 
approach for somebody with endometriosis. Just about living and figuring out what works best for you and your body because we're all unique. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's the other point is that when women are in their, you know, childbearing years, even if they decide not to have kids, you know, in your 30s, it's all about connection, going out, um, working hard, all of these different things where you're just giving out all of this energy and you don't really focus. I mean, this is a, a grand generalization, but it's what I've seen with all of my clients um, is that there's a disconnect to self and body and there's no tracking. You know, you're living your life the same every day, not really taking into account the nuances of the menstrual cycle and what needs to happen at each phase from a nutrition movement perspective. You know, most of my clients, when they start working with me, when I ask them, where are you in your cycle? They're like, oh, I don't know. I don't track. So, you know, there's so many things that getting back in touch with your body, starting to track, tracking your cycle, your symptoms, your changes or you know just your nutrition so that you can start to pull together your own data points on what is going on in my body and what isn't serving me and what is serving me you know really getting invested in your health it's often only when we start to feel really crap that we are like oh my god what is going on um so I, I, like that's my biggest piece of advice is just start tracking your cycle and your symptoms and where things where you don't feel great, start doing like a bit of a like a back check of okay, well, what did I eat that day? Did I exercise too much? You know, um, am I not honoring my menstrual cycle? Like, did I go to five hit classes in the week before my period and now um doubled over in pain? You know, when my period comes. So it's you know, it's really just honoring the menstrual cycle. Um as you know one of one of the priorities yeah there really is a testament to that to like working out with your cycle eating with your cycle doing everything in relation to our hormones because we're cyclical beings right we're yeah. not like men where it's just is the same all the time mm, mm. yeah I mean if I reflect back to my 30s I very much um you know did the same thing every day exercise the same way every day and didn't really think about you know where I was at and what what my body actually needed I was so disconnected and it's really when you start thinking about it and giving your attention to it you can actually start to hear the feedback that your body is giving you because there is there is feedback (laughs) there is a lot of feedback but we you know where where your attention um goes energy flows or whatever that's that saying is um you know so you've got to like open yourself to the awareness that there is an opportunity for alignment and improvement in your experience of life just by making this shift exactly i think we live in a society where a lot of us are all up in our head and we don't pay attention to our body at all and so it has to get to that point where it's screaming at us I mean, something's like really bad before we are actually like, oh, weird, something's wrong. (laughs) I should probably look into that. Yes, exactly. And then when you start to reflect, there are these very subtle 
and not so subtle signs that you should have focused on, you know, and that's always the thing that sticks in my mind with that friend of mine who, yeah. who passed, you know, I, I hadn't done any of this sort of training then. And, you know, if I reflect back to our conversations in the lead up to her diagnosis, there were so many red flags, but we we're all busy. You know, she had a young child, she had a toddler, um, you know, I was pregnant, we were renovating our house, you know, we just didn't, we just didn't pay attention to it. We brushed, we brushed it off. So that's, you know, one of my real missions is to encourage women and to educate on what normal looks like. And normal isn't the same as common, you know, and I think it's common for women to have a bad experience over the time of their cycle, to feel so irritable, they want to kill someone, you know, like all of these different things to, you know, people normalize the fact that they go to the toilet 20 times a day because that's their norm. And it's, you know, my real, it's, it's about educating that what are, what is normal from a gut health perspective? What is normal from a hormonal perspective? And really trying to plant the seed that it's important to do a health audit of yourself. So like, how am I showing up? You know, is it become my norm that I wake up and I feel like I'm walking through toffee you know, like it's just everything is hard because that isn't normal. Mm -hmm. so, but we normalize our own experience. Right. That's so funny. And it's true. I, I just made me think my husband, and I know that he's not a woman, obviously, but his whole life, he would get like stomach aches after he ate. And mind you, I met him when he was 35 and we did whole 30 just as like with our gym, um, in a weekend, he's like, oh my gosh, my stomach doesn't hurt for the first time ever in his entire life. He just thought it was wow. normal that he would eat and get a stomach ache. And it's because that was his normal norm. Yeah. And it turns out he can't have, he's lactose intolerant <laughs> at oh 35. <laughs> I know. Normal. And isn't that crazy? And like, it's all of these little things that, um, you know, if he'd been aware of that, yeah, that. You know, he could be obviously he's been having something that his body doesn't doesn't agree with his body for 35 years. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's there's such a massive opportunity for, you know, just improving how how you feel. Yeah. You know, and that's also one of my messages is like challenge where you are now. You know, and if you're feeling, you know, if you're feeling like a seven out of ten, there's always an opportunity to improve that and improve that and improve that. Yeah. And just getting curious about your body and like the signals that it's giving you. And if, I mean, even asking yourself, like, is, are the things that are happening to me normal? Like, is this supposed to be happening? Hmm. And, and finding those people that you can trust mm. and, you know, just doing, cause obviously it's your experience. Yeah. And so you can't give yourself an objective answer of, is this normal? But it's almost like what, what I encourage people to do is write down what are the health symptoms or anything that you're tolerating right now. So that could be, you know, I wake up and my energy level is a five or, you know, I um, I don't like going out first thing in the morning because I know that I, I run to the toilet five times. You know, it could be anything or the joint pain that I have in my body, you know, in the evening, whatever it may be. And like these are the things that you're tolerating 
or the things that you think are maybe just, you know, gut feel is just a little bit off and then find one of your trusted circle and like do a, a check against them. Like, do you think this is normal? Do you think this is something I should investigate? Yeah. And just get somebody to give an objective view because they may have their own set of symptoms, but it's highly unlikely that they're going to mirror yours. Right. So at least then that's an objective view. You know, someone may say, oh no, I only go to the toilet once a week. And at least like, then you can be like, okay, well, that's not normal. Yeah. <laughs> That's great advice. <laughs> Having a tight inner circle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, and to be fair, that's, that's um, like a real important thing in perimenopause because we're all going through, you know, it's called the second puberty. It's like this real roller coaster, you know, and things change quite regularly because of, you know, what's happening and it's a normal process. And it's, you know, so you do have to continually to continually like check in on it with your body and, you know, adjust your lifestyle so that you can optimize how you feel. Um, and having a tight inner circle that you can share your experience with, like what's working for you, what's not, or I've read this book, it's great. Or, you know, I follow this person, it's super helpful, just increases our, our ability to cope in the, in the phase. I shouldn't say cope, but our ability to thrive in the phase and, yeah, thrive much yeah, better with yeah. Um, and to and having good social connection is something that improves health and activity on its own. So it's just awesome to have, you know, having a tight sisterhood is one of the best things in life. <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for doing what you're doing. It's so no. needed. I don't feel like people talk about menopause or perimenopause at all, really. Um, it's such like a taboo quote unquote topic. But yeah, I, I agree. Just to share, when I when I first realized that I was in it, I had to do some some deep work because I had a very negative association with it. I was like, what? Menopause? No. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm only 41. What, what on earth is this word coming into my radar for? And it, it's really been through my deep kind of going down and niching in this particular category that I am so excited for the transition and to be able to support women to see this as a real opportunity for transformation and it really like if women work on their stuff, optimize their lifestyle, put boundaries in place to be able to focus on themselves, then it really can be the best life phase. You know, we've got all this wisdom. And if we can live with energy and vitality and use that wisdom, I mean, we are unstoppable. But so really. that's really, yeah, exactly. So that's really why I'm just so passionate about what I do because it's such an opportunity for you know just you know flying in this last phase of life beautiful where can people find you so my website is ytvhealthcoaching.com so my business name is your tiny voice because it's all about uh tapping into your own intuition and you know being able to live from a place of balance where you can hear what what your body is telling you and I'm so I'm on Instagram at your tiny voice and Facebook is YTV health coaching 
Beautiful. And I'll put all those links in the show notes for anybody that wants to hop on over and say hi. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. It was such a good conversation. Thank you so much. Babe, thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. I had so much fun and I'm so fucking grateful for every single one of you. If you thought that this was helpful or you loved any part of this podcast, I would love, love, love for you to screenshot it and post it on Instagram at Chelsea Bree, C-H-E-L-S-E-A-A-B-R-I and take me. I would love to see what you're getting out of the episodes. It makes me so happy. I would also love it if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave a review because that just helps other wonderful endo babes find me as well. I adore you and I believe that you don't deserve to feel like shit. You deserve to have a normal life despite endometriosis. So I love you so much and I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll catch you on next week's episode of the Endo Babe Podcast. <laughs>